Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we'll read chapters 19 and 20. And in the previous episode, we read chapters 17 and 18 and we found out that Hades agreed to help Percy and the army in the fight against Kronos. And we found out that Rachel Elizabeth Dare, who can see through the mist, has become the new Oracle of Delphi. And that was very shocking to Percy at first, but he accepted it. And we left off at, which, at chap, in chapter 18 with Annabeth, Talia, Grover, and Percy racing to Olympus to, to try and save Olympus. So we will read chapter 19, We Trash the Eternal City. The bridge to Olympus was dissolving. We stepped out of the elevator onto the white marble walkway, and immediately cracks appeared at our feet. Jump! Grover said, which was easy for him since he was part mountain goat. He sprang to the next slab of stone while ours tilted sickeningly. Gods, I hate heights! Talia yelled as she and I leaped, but Annabeth was in no shape for jumping. She stumbled and yelled, Percy! I caught her hand as the pavement fell, crumbling into dust. For a second, I thought she was going to pull us both over. Her feet dangled in the open air. Her hands started to slip until I was holding her only by her fingers. Then Grover and Talia grabbed my legs and I found extra strength. Annabeth was not going to fall. I pulled her up and we lay trembling on the pavement. I didn't realize we had our arms around each other until she suddenly tensed. Um, thanks, she muttered. I tried to say, don't mention it, but it came out as, uh, duh. Keep moving, Grover tugged my shoulder. We untangled ourselves and sprinted across the sky bridge as more stones disintegrated and fell into oblivion. We made it to the edge of the mountain just as the final section collapsed. Amber looked back at the elevator, which was now completely out of reach. A polished set of metal doors hanging in space, attached to nothing, 600 stories above Manhattan. We're marooned, she said, on her own. Blah! Grover said. The connection between Olympus and America is dissolving. If it fails, the gods will move on to another country this time. Talia said, this will be the end of Olympus, the final end. We ran through streets. Mansions were burning. Statues had been hacked down. Trees in the parks were blasted to splinters. It looked like someone had attacked the city with a giant weed whacker. Kronos scythe, I said. We followed the winding path toward the palace of the gods. I didn't remember the road being so long. Maybe Kronos was making time go slower, or maybe it was just dread slowing me down. The whole mountaintop was in ruins. So many beautiful buildings and gardens gone. A few minor gods and nature spirits had tried to stop Kronos. What remained of them was strewn about the road. Shattered armor, ripped clothing, swords and spears broken in half. Somewhere ahead of us, Kronos' voice roared. Brick by brick, that was my promise. Tear it down, brick by brick. A white marble temple with a gold dome suddenly exploded. The dome shot up like the lid of a teapot and shattered into a billion pieces raining rubble over the city. That was a shrine to Artemis, Talia grumbled. He'll pay for that. We were running under the mar marble archway with the huge statues of Zeus and Hera when the entire mountain groaned, rocking sideways like a boat in a storm. Look out, Grover yelped. The archway crumbled. I looked up in time to see a 20-ton scowling Hera topple over, uh, over on us. Annabeth and I would have been flattened, but Talia shoved us from behind and we landed just out of danger. Talia! Grover cried. When the dust cleared and the mountain stopped rocking, we found her still alive, but her legs were pinned under the statue. We tried desperately to move it, but it would have taken several cyclops. When we tried to pull Talia out un from under it, she yelled in pain. I survived all those battles, she growled, and I get defeated by a stupid chunk of rock. It's Hera, Annabeth said in outrage. She's had it in me for all for me all year. Her statue would have killed me if you hadn't pushed me us away. Talia grimaced. Well, don't just stand there. I'll be fine. Go. We didn't want to leave her, but I could hear Kronos laughing as he approached the Hall of the Gods. More buildings exploded. We'll be back, I promised. I'm not going anywhere, Talia groaned. A fireball erupted on the side of the mountain, right near the gates of the palace. We've got to run, I said. I don't suppose you mean away, Grover murmured hopefully. I sprinted toward the palace, Annabeth right behind me. 
I was afraid of that, Grover sighed and clip-clopped after us. The doors of the palace were big enough to steer a cruise ship through, but they'd been ripped off their hinges and smashed like they'd weighed nothing. We had to climb over a huge pile of broken stone and twisted metal to get inside. Kronos stood in the middle of the throne room, his arms wide, staring at the starry sky, starry sky ceiling as if taking it all in. His laughter echoed even louder than it had from the pit of Tartarus. Finally, he bellowed. The Olympian Council, so proudy and proud and mighty. Which seat of power shall I destroy first? Ethan Nakamura stood to one side, trying to stay out of the way of his master's scythe. The hearth was almost dead, just a few coal coals glowing deep in the ashes. Hestia was nowhere to be seen. Neither was Rachel. I hoped she was okay, but I'd seen so much destruction I was afraid to think about it. The Ophiotaurus swam in his water sphere in the far corner of the room, wisely not making a sound, but it wouldn't be long before Kronos noticed him. Animus Grover and I stepped forward into the torchlight. Ethan saw us first. My lord, he warned. Kronos turned and smiled through Luke's face. Except for the golden eyes, he looked just the same as he had four years ago when he welcomed me into the Hermes cabin. Hammett made a painful sound in the back of her throat, like someone had just sucker-punched her. "'Shall I destroy you first, Jackson?' Kronos asked. "'Is that the choice you will make, to fight me and die instead of bowing down? Prophecies never end well, you know.' "'Luke would fight with a sword,' I said, but I suppose you don't have his skill.' Kronos sneered. His scythe began to change until he held Luke's old weapon, Backbiter." with its half-steel, half-celestial bronze blade. Next to me, Annabeth gasped like she suddenly had an idea. Percy the blade! She unsheathed her knife. A hero's soul, cursed blade shall reap. I didn't understand why she was reminding me of that prophecy line right now. It wasn't exactly a morale booster, but before I could say anything, Kronos raised his sword. Wait! Annabeth yelled. Kronos came at me like a whirlwind. My instincts took over. I dodged and slashed and rolled, but I felt like I was fighting a hundred swordsmen. Ethan ducked to one side, trying to get behind me until Annabeth intercepted him. They started to fight, but I couldn't, fo- I couldn't focus on how she was doing. I was vaguely aware of Grover playing his reed pipes. The sound filled me with warmth and courage. Thoughts of sunlight and a blue sky and a calm meadow. Somewhere far away from the war. Kronos backed me up against the throne of Hephaestus. A huge, mechanical, lazy boy type thing covered with bronze and silver gears. Kronos slashed and I managed to jump straight on, on, up onto the seat. The throne whirred and hummed with secret mechanisms. Defense mode, it warned. Defense mode, that couldn't be good. I jumped straight over Kronos' head as the throne shot ten drills of electricity in all directions. One hit Kronos in the face, arc- arcing down his body and up his sword. Arg! He crumbled to his knees and dropped Backbiter. Ambit saw her chance. She kicked Ethan out of the way and charged Kronos. Luke, listen! I wanted to shout at her to tell her she was crazy for trying to reason with Kronos. But there was no time. Kronos flicked his hand. Ambit flew backwards, slamming into the throne of her mother and crumpling to the floor. Annabeth! I screamed. Ethan Nakamura got to his feet. He now stood between Annabeth and me. I couldn't fight him without turning my back on Kronos. Grover's music t- took on a more urgent tune. He moved toward Annabeth, but he couldn't go any faster and keep up the song. Grass grew on the floor of the throne room. Tiny roots crept up between the cracks of the marble stones. Kronos rose to one knee. His hair smoldered. His face was covered with electrical burns. He reached for his sword, but this time it didn't fly into his hands. Nakamura! He groaned. Time to prove yourself. You know Jackson's secret weakness. Kill him, and you will have rewards beyond measure. Ethan's eyes dropped to my midsection, and I was sure that he knew. Even if he couldn't kill me himself, all he had to do was tell Kronos. There was no way I could defend myself forever. Look around you, Ethan, I said. The end of the world. Is this the reward you want? Do you really want everything destroyed? The good with the bad? Everything? Grover was almost to the to, was almost to Annabeth now. The grass thickened on the floor. The roots were almost a foot long, like a stubble of whiskers. There's no throne to Nemesis, Ethan muttered. No throne to my mother. That's right! Kronos tried to get up, but stumbled. Above his left ear, a patch of blonde hair still smoldered. Strike them down. They deserve to suffer. You said your mom is the goddess of balance. 
I reminded him. The minor gods deserve better, better Ethan. But total destruction isn't balanced. Kronos doesn't build. He only destroys. Ethan looked at the sizzling throne of Hephaestus. Grover's music kept playing. And Ethan swayed to it as if the song were filling him with nostalgia. A wish to see a beautiful day to be anywhere but here. His good eye blinked. Then he charged, but not at me. While Kronos was still on his knees, Ethan brought down his sword on the Titan Lord's neck. It should have killed him instantly, but the blade shattered. Ethan fell back, grasping his stomach. A shard of his own blade had ricocheted and pierced his own armor. His armor. Kronos rose unsteadily, towering over his servant. Treason, he snarled. Grover's music kept playing and grass grew grew around Ethan's body. Ethan stared at me, his face tight with pain. Deserve better, he gasped. If they just had thrones. Kronos stomped his foot and the floor ruptured around Ethan Nakamura. The son of Nemesis fell through a fissure that went straight through the heart of the mountain. Straight into open air. So much for him. Kronos picked up his sword. And now for the rest of you. My only thought was to keep him away from Annabeth. Grover was at her side now. He'd stopped playing and was feeding her ambrosia. Everywhere Kronos stepped, the roots wrapped around his feet. But Grover had stopped his magic too early. The roots weren't thick or strong enough to do much more than annoy the titan. We fought through the hearth, kicking up coals and sparks. Kronos slashed an armrest off the throne of Ares, which is okay by me. But then he backed me up to my dad's throne. Oh, yes, Kronos said. This one will make fine kindling for my new hearth. Our blades clashed in a shower of sparks. He was stronger than me, but for the moment I felt the power of the ocean in my arms. I pushed him back and struck again, slashing Riptide across his best breastplate so hard I cut a gash in the celestial bronze. He stamped his foot again, and time slowed. I tried to attack, but I was moving at the speed of a a glacier. Kronos backed up leisurely, catching his breath. He examined the gash in his armor while I struggled forward, silently cursing him. He could take all the timeouts he wanted. He could freeze me in place at will. My only hope was that the effort was draining him. If I could wear him down. It's too late, Percy Jackson, he said. Behold. He pointed to the hearth, and the coals glowed. A sheet of white smoke poured from the fire, forming images like an iris message. I saw Nico and my parents down on Fifth Avenue, fighting a hopeless battle, ringed in enemies. In the background, Hades fought from his black chariot, summoning wave after wave of zombies out out of the ground. But the forces of the Titan army seemed just as endless. Meanwhile, Manhattan was being destroyed. Mortals now fully awake were running in terror. Cars swerved and crashed. The The scene shifted, and I saw something even more terrifying. A column of storm was approaching the Hudson River, moving rapidly over the Jersey Shore. Chariots circled it, locking in combat with the creature in the cloud. The gods attacked, lightning flashed. Arrows of gold and silver streaked into the cloud like rocket tracers and exploded. Slowly, the cloud ripped apart and I saw Typhon, clearly for the first time. I knew as long as I lived, which might not be that long, I would never be able to get my, that in, the image out of my mind. Typhon's head shifted constantly. Every moment he was a different monster, each more horrible than the last. Looking at his face would have driven me insane. So I focused on his body, which wasn't, which wasn't much better. He was humanoid, but his skin reminded me of a meatloaf sandwich that had been in someone's locker all year. He was mottled green, with blisters the size of buildings, and blackened patches from eons of being struck under a volcano. His hands were human, but with talons like an eagle's. His legs were scaly and reptilian. The Olympians are giving their final effort. Kronos laughed. How pathetic. Zeus threw a thunderbolt from his chariot. The blast lit up the world. I could feel the shock even here on Olympus, but when the dust cleared, Typhon was still standing. He staggered a bit with a smoking crater on top of his misshapen head, but he roared in anger and kept advancing. My limbs began to loosen up. Kronos didn't seem to notice. His attention was focused on the fight and his final victory. If I could hold out a few more seconds, and if my dad kept his word. Typhon stepped into the Hudson River and barely sank to mid-calf. Now, he thought, imploring the image in the smoke. Please, it has to happen now. Like a miracle, 
A conch horn sounded from that smoky picture. The call of the ocean. The call of Poseidon. All around Typhon, the Hudson River erupted. Churning with 40-foot waves, out of the water burst a new chariot. This one, pulled by massive hippocampi, who swam in air as easily as in water. My father, glowing with a blue aura of power, rode a defiant circle around the giant's legs. Poseidon was no longer an old man. He looked like himself again, tan and strong with a black beard. As he swung his trident, the river responded, making a funnel cloud around the monster. No! Crows bellowed after a moment of stunned silence. No! No, my brethren! Poseidon's voice was so loud, I wasn't sure if I was hearing it from the smoke image or from all the way across town. Strike for Olympus! Warriors burst out of the river, riding the waves on huge sharks and dragons and seahorses. It was a legion of cyclops, and leading them into battle was... Tyson! I yelled. I knew he couldn't hear me, but I stared at him in amazement. He'd magically grown in size. He had to be 30 feet tall, as big as any of his older cousins. And for the first time, he was wearing full battle armor. Riding behind him was Briars, the hundred-handed one. All the Cyclops held huge lengths of black iron chains, big enough to anchor a battleship, with grappling hooks at the ends. They swung them like lassos and began to ensnare Typhon, throwing lines around the creature's legs and arms, using the tide to keep circling, slowly tangling him. Typhon shook and roared and yanked at the chains, pulling some of the Cyclops off their mounts, but there were too many chains. The sheer weight of the Cyclops' battalion began to weigh Typhon down. Poseidon threw his trident and impaled the monster in the throat. Golden blood, immortal ichor, spewed from the wound, making a waterfall taller than a skyscraper. The trident flew back to Poseidon's hand. The other god struck with renewed force. Ares rode in and stabbed Typhon in the nose. Artemis shot the monster in the eye with a dozen silver arrows. Apollo shot a blazing volley of arrows and set the, set the monster's loincloth on fire. And Zeus kept pounding the giant with lightning. Until finally, slowly, the water rose, wrapping Typhon like a cocoon. And he began to sink under the weight of the chains. Typhon bellowed in agony. Thrashing with such force that waves sloshed the Jersey Shore, soaking five-story buildings and splashing over the George Washington Bridge. But down as he went, but but down he went as my dad opened a special tunnel for him at the bottom of the river, an endless water slide that would take him straight to Tartarus. The giant's head went under in a seething whirlpool, and he was gone. Bah! Cronus screamed. He slashed his sword through the smoke, tearing tearing the image to shreds. <laughs> They're on their way, I said. You've lost. I haven't even started. He advanced with blinding speed. Grover, brave, stupid, sad satyr that he was, tried to protect me, but Kronos tossed him aside like a ragdoll. I sidestepped and jabbed under Kronos's guard. It was a good trick, unfortunately. Luke knew it. He countered the strike and disarmed me using one of the first moves he'd ever taught me. My sword skittered across the ground and fell straight into the open fissure. Stop! Ambit came from nowhere. Kronos rolled to face her and slashed with backbiter, but somehow Annabeth caught the strike on her dagger hilt. It was a move only the quickest and most skilled knife fighter could have managed. Don't ask me where she found the strength, but she stepped in closer for leverage. Their blades crossed, and for a moment she stood face to face with the Titan Lord, holding him at a standstill. Luke, she said, gritting her teeth. I understand now. You have to trust me. Kronos roared in outreach. Luke Castellan is dead. His body will burn away as I assume my true form. I tried to move, but my body was frozen again. How could Annabeth, battered and half dead with this exhaustion, have the strength to fight a titan like Kronos? Kronos pushed against her, trying to dislodge his blade, but she held him in check, her arms trembling as he forced his sword down toward her neck. Your mother, Annabeth grunted. She saw your fate. Service to Kronos! The Titan roared. This is my fate. No! Ambit insisted. Her eyes were tearing up, but I didn't know if it was from sadness or pain. That's not the end, Luke. The prophecy, she saw what you would do. It applies to you. I will crush you, child. Kronos bellowed. You won't, Ambit said. You promised you're holding Kronos back even now. Lies! Kronos pushed again, and this time Annabeth lost her balance. With his free hand, Kronos struck her face, and she slid backward. 
I summoned all my will. I managed to rise, but it was like holding the weight of the sky again. Kronos loomed over Annabeth, his sword raised. Blood trickled from the corner of her mouth. She croaked. Family, Luke. You promised. I took a painful step forward. Grover was back on his feet, over the, by the throne of Hera. But he seemed to be struggling to move as well. Before either of us could get anywhere close to Annabeth, Kronos staggered. He stared at the knife in Annabeth's hand, the blood on her face. Promise. Then he gasped like he couldn't get air. Annabeth. But it wasn't the Titan's voice, it was Luke's. He stumbled forward like he couldn't control his own body. You're bleeding. My knife. Annabeth tried to raise her dagger, but it clattered out of her hand. Her arm was bent at a funny angle. She looked at me imploring. Percy, please. I can move again. I surged forward and scooped up her knife. I knocked back Biter out of Luke's hand and spun into the hearth. Luke hardly paid me any attention. He stepped toward Annabeth, but I put myself between him and her. Don't touch her, I said. Anger rippled across his face. Cronus's voice growled. Jerks, Jackson. Was it my imagination? Or was it his whole body glowing, turning gold? He gasped again. Luke's voice. He's changing. Help. He's almost... He's almost ready. He won't need my body anymore. Please. No. Kronos bellowed. He looked around for his sword, but it was in the hearth, glowing amongst the coals. He stumbled toward it. I tried to stop him, but he pushed me out of the way with such force. I landed next to Annabeth and cracked my head on the base of Annabeth Athena's throne. The knife's... Percy. Annabeth muttered. Her breath was shallow. Hero. Cursed blade. When my vision came back into focus, I saw Kronos grasping his sword. Then he bellowed in pain and dropped it. His hands were smoked and seared. The hearth fire had grown red hot, like the scythe wasn't compatible with it. I saw an image of Hestia flickering in the ashes, frowning at Kronos with disapproval. Luke turned and collapsed, clutching his ruined hands. Please, Percy. I struggled to my feet. I moved toward him with the knife. I should kill him. That was the plan. Luke seemed to know what I was thinking. He moistened his lips. You can't. can't do it yourself. He'll break my control. He'll defend himself. Only my hand. I know where I can, can keep him controlled. He was definitely glowing now. His skin was start to, starting to smoke. I raised the knife to strike. Then I looked at Annabeth, Grover cradling her in her arms, trying to shield her. And I finally understood what she'd been trying to tell me. You are not the hero. Rachel, I said, it will affect what you do. Please, Luke groaned, no time. If Kronos evolved into his true form, there would be no stopping him. He would make Typhon look like a playground bully. The line from the great prophecy echoed in my head. A hero's soul, cursed blade shall reap. My whole world tipped upside down and I gave the knife to Luke. Grover yelped. Percy? Uh, are you, um... Crazy? Insane? Off my rocker? Probably. But I watched as Luke grasped the hilt. I stood before him, defenseless. He unlatched the side straps of his armor, exposing a little small bit of his skin just under his left arm. A place that would be very, very hard to hit. With difficulty, he stabbed himself. It wasn't a deep cut, but Luke howled, his eyes glowing like lava. The throne room shook, throwing me off my feet. An aura of energy surrounded Luke, growing brighter and brighter. I shut my eyes and felt a force of like a nuclear explosion blister my skin and crack my lips. It was silent for a long time. When I opened my eyes, I saw Luke sprawled at the hearth. On the floor around him was a blackened circle of ash. Kronos' scythe had liquefied into molten metal and was trickling into the coals of the hearth, which now glowed like a blacksmith's furnace. Luke's left side was bloody. His eyes were open, blue eyes, the way they used to be. His breath was a deep rattle. Good blade. I knelt next to him. Annabeth limped over with Grover's support. They both had tears in their eyes. Luke gazed at Annabeth. You know, you knew. I almost killed you, but you knew. Shh. Her voice trembled. You were a hero at the end, Luke. You'll go to Elysium. He shook his head weakly. Think rebirth. Try for three times. Isles of, Isles of the blessed. Abbott sniffled. 
You always pushed yourself too hard. He held up his charred hand. Amba touched his fingertips. Did you... Luke coughed and his lips glistened red. Did you love me? Amba wiped her tears away. There was a time I thought... Well, I thought... She looked at me like she was drinking in the fact that I was still here. And I realized I was doing the same thing. The world was collapsing and the only thing that really mattered to me was that she was alive. You were like a brother to me, Luke, she said softly. But I didn't love you. He nodded as if he'd expected it. He winced in pain. We can get Ambrosia, Grover said. We can... Grover. Luke gulped. You're the bravest satyr I ever knew, but no... There's no healing. Another cough. He gripped my sleeve and I could feel the heat of his skin like a fire. Ethan, me, all the unclaimed, don't, don't let it, don't let it happen again. His eyes were angry, but pleading too. I won't, I said. I promise. Luke nodded and his hands went slack. The gods arrived a few minutes later in their full war regalia, thundered and thundering into the throne room and expecting a battle. What they found were Annabeth, Grover, and me standing over the body of a broken half-blood in the dim, warm light of the hearth. Percy, my father called, awe in his voice. What? What is this? I turned and faced the Olympians. We need a shroud, I announced, my voice cracking. A shroud for the son of Hermes. And that is the end of chapter 19. And that was the defeat of Kronos. And looks like Rachel was right. Percy wouldn't be the hero in the end. It was Luke himself. He fought against himself and he sacrificed himself to take over the evil. And he realized his mistakes, which I would say maybe one of the most honorable sacrifices. And I really hope that Luke really is rewarded for the sacrifice that he did and for him going against himself to try and kill Kronos and realizing what he did wrong. And I hope they honor Luke well when they do his, when they take a shroud for Luke. And after the break, we'll read chapter 20. We win fabulous prizes. And we're back from the ads. So now we'll read chapter 20. We win fabulous prizes. The three fates themselves took Luke's body. I hadn't seen the old ladies in years, since I'd witnessed them snip a life thread at a roadside fruit stand when I was 12. They'd scared me then, and they scared me now. Three ghoulish grandmothers with bags of knitting needles and yarn. One of them looked at me, and even though she didn't say anything, my life literally flashed before my eyes. Suddenly I was 20, then I was a middle-aged man. Then I turned old and withered. All the strength left my body and I saw my own tombstone in an open grave, a coffin being lowered into the ground. All this happened in less than a second. It is done, she said. The fate held up the snippet of blue yarn, and I knew it was the same one I'd seen four years ago. The lifeline I'd watched them snip. I had thought it was my life, and I realized it was Luke's. They'd been showing me the life that they would have to be sacrificed that would have to be sacrificed to set things right. They gathered up Luke's body, now wrapped in a white and green shroud, and began carrying it out of the throne room. Wait, Hermes said. The messenger god was dressed in his classic outfit of white Greek robes, sandals, and helmet. The wings of his helm fluttered as he walked. The snakes, George and Martha, curled around his caduceus, murmuring, Luke, poor Luke. I thought about Mae Castellan, alone in her kitchen, baking cookies and making sandwiches for a son who would never come home. Hermes unwrapped Luke's face and kissed his forehead. He murmured some words in ancient Greek. A final blessing. Farewell, he whispered. Then he nodded and allowed the fates to carry his son's body. As they left, I thought about the great prophecy. The lines now made sense to me. A hero's soul, cursed blade shall reap. The hero was Luke. The cursed blade was the knife he'd given Annabeth long ago. Cursed because Luke had broken his promise and betrayed his friends. A single choice shall end his days. 
my choice to give him the knife and to believe, as Annabeth had, that he was still capable of setting things right. Olympus to preserve her race. By sacrificing himself, he had saved Olympus. Rachel was right. In the end, I wasn't really the hero. Luke was. And I understood something else. When Luke had descended into the river Styx, he would have had to focus on something important that would hold him to his mortal life. Otherwise, he would have dissolved. I had seen Annabeth, and I had a feeling he had too. He had pictured that scene Hestia had shown me, showed me of himself in the good old days with Talia and Annabeth, when he promised they would be a family. Hurting Annabeth in battle had shocked him into remembering that promise. It had allowed his mortal conscience to take over again and defeat Kronos. His weak spot, his Achilles heel, had saved us all. Next to me, Annabeth's knees buckled. I caught her, but she cried out in pain, and I realized I grabbed her broken arm. Oh, gods, I said, Annabeth, I'm sorry. It's all right, she said as she passed out in my arms. She needs help, I yelled. I've got this. Apollo stepped forward. His fiery armor was so bright it was hard to look at, and his matching Ray-Bans and perfect smile made him look like a male model for battle gear. God of medicine at your service. He passed his hand over Annabeth's face and spoke an incantation. Immediately, the bruises faded. Her cuts and scars disappeared. Her arms straightened and she sighed in her sleep. Apollo grinned. She'll be fine in a few minutes. Just enough time for me to compose a poem about her, about her victory. Apollo and his friends save Olympus. Good, eh? Thanks, Apollo, I said. I'll, um, let you handle the poetry. The next few hours were a blur. I remember my promise to my mother. Zeus didn't even blink an eye when I told him my strange request. He snapped his fingers and informed me that a bright blue flag 50 feet wide was now flying from the top of the Empire State Building. The mortals would just have to wonder what it meant, but my mom would know. I had survived. Olympus was saved. The gods set about repairing the throne room, which went surprisingly fast with 12 super powerful beings at work. Grover and I cared for the wounded, and once the Sky Bridge reformed, we greeted our friends who had survived. The Cyclops had saved Talia from the fallen statue. She was on crutches, but otherwise she was okay. Connor and Travis Stoll had made it through with only minor injuries. They promised that they hadn't even looted the city much. They told me my parents were fine, though they weren't allowed into Mount Olympus. Mrs. O'Leary had dug Chiron out of the rubble and rushed him off to camp. The Stoles looked kind of worried about the old center, but at least he was alive. Katie Gardner, Katie Gardner reported that she'd seen Rachel Elizabeth Dare run out of the Empire State Building at the end of the battle. Rachel had looked unharmed, but nobody knew where she'd gone, which also troubled me. Nico D'Angelo came into Olympus to a hero's welcome, his father right behind him, despite the fact that Hades was only supposed to visit Olympus on winter solstice. The god of the dead looked stunned when his relatives clapped him on the back. I doubt he'd ever gotten such an enthusiastic welcome before. Clarice marched in, still shivering from her time in the icy block, and Ares bellowed, There's my girl! The god of war ruffled her hair and pounded her on the back, calling her the best warrior he'd ever seen. That dracon slang, that's what I'm talking about. She looked pretty overwhelmed. All she could do was nod and blink like she was afraid he'd start hitting her, but eventually she began to smile. Hera and Hephaestus passed me, and while Hephaestus was a little grumpy about my jumping on his throne, he thought I'd done a pretty bang-up job, mostly. Hera sniffed in disdain. I suppose I won't destroy you and that little girl now. Emmett saved Olympus, I told her. She convinced Luke to stop Kronos. Hmm. Hera whirled away in a huff, but I figured our lives would be safe, at least for a little while. Dionysus' head was still wrapped in a bandage. He looked me up and down and said, Well, Percy Jackson, I see Pollux made it through, so I suppose you aren't completely inept. It's all thanks to my training, I suppose. Um, yes, sir, I said. Mr. D nodded. As thanks for my bravery, Zeus has cut my probation at that miserable camp in half. I now have only 50 years left instead of 100. 50 years, huh? I tried to imagine putting up with Dionysus until I was an old man, assuming I lived that long. Don't get so excited, Jackson, he said, and I realized he wasn't saying my name correctly. He was saying my name correctly. I still plan on making your life miserable. I couldn't help smiling. Naturally. Just so we understand each other, he turned and began repairing his grapevine throne. 
which had been singed by fire. Grover stayed at my side. From time to time, he would break down in tears. So many nature spirits dead, Percy. So many. I put my arm around his shoulders and gave him a rag to blow his nose. You did a great job, G-Man. We will come back from this. We'll plant new trees. We'll clean up the parks. Your friends will be reincarnated into a better world. He sniffed dejectedly. I, I, I suppose, but it was hard enough to rally them before. I'm still an outcast. I could barely get anyone to listen to me about Pan. Now will they ever listen to me? I led them into a slaughter. They will listen, I promised. Because you care about them. You care about the wild more than anyone. He tried for a smile. Thanks, Percy. I hope... I hope you know I'm really proud to be your friend. I pouted his arm. Luke was mad and right about one thing, G-Man. You're the bravest satyr I've ever met. He blushed, but before he could say anything, Conkhorns blew. The army Poseidon marched into the throne room. Percy! Tyson yelled. He charged toward me with his arms open. Fortunately, he'd shrunk back to normal size, so his hug was like getting hit by a tractor. Not the entire farm. You're not- you are not dead, he said. Yeah, I agreed. Amazing, huh? He clapped his hands and laughed happily. I'm not dead either. Yay, we chained Typhon. It was fun. Behind him, 50 other armored cyclops laughed and nodded and gave each other high fives. Tyson let us, one rumbled. He is brave. Bravest of the cyclops, another bellowed. Tyson blushed. Was nothing. I saw you, I said. You were incredible. I thought poor Grover would pass out. He's deathly afraid of Cyclops, but he steeled his nerves and said, Yes, um, three cheers for Tyson. Yar! the Cyclops roared. Please don't eat me, Grover muttered, but I don't think anyone heard him. The Conkhorns blasted again. The Cyclops parted and my father strode into the throne room in his battle armor, his trident glowing in his hands. Tyson, he roared. Well done, my son. And Percy, his face turned stern. He wagged his finger at me, and for a second I was afraid he was going to zap me. I even forgive you for sitting on my throne. You saved Olympus. He held out his arms and gave me, that, gave me a hug. I realized, a little embarrassed, that I'd never actually hugged my dad before. He was warm, like a regular human, and he smelled of a salty beach and fresh sea air. When he pulled away, he smiled kindly at me. I felt so good, I'll admit I teared up a little. I guess until that moment, I hadn't allowed myself to realize just how terrified I had been the last few days. Dad, shh, he said. No hero is above fear, Percy, and you have risen above every hero, not even Hercules. Poseidon, the voice roared. Zeus had taken his throne. He glared across the room at my dad while all the other gods filed in and took their seats. Even Hades was present sitting on a simple stone guest chair at the foot of the hearth. Nico sat cross-legged at the ground on the ground at his dad's feet. Well, Poseidon, Zeus grumped, are you too proud to join us in council, my brother? I thought Poseidon was going to get mad, but he just looked at me and winked. I would be honored, Lord Zeus. I guess miracles do happen. Poseidon strode over to his fishing seat and the Olympian council convened. While Zeus was talking, some long speech about the bravery of the gods and etc. Ameth walked in and stood next to me. She looked good for someone who'd recently passed out. Miss much? She whispered. Nobody's planning to kill us so far. I whispered back. First time today. I cracked up. But Grover nudged me behind because Hera was giving us a dirty look. As for my brothers, Zeus said, we are thankful. He cleared his throat like the words were hard to get out. Erm, thankful for the aid of Hades. The Lord of the Dead inclined his head. He had a smug look on his face, but I figured he'd earned the right. He patted his son Nico on the shoulders, and Nico looked happier than I'd ever seen him. And of course, Zeus continued, though he looked like his pants were smoldering, we must, um, thank Poseidon. I'm sorry, brother, Poseidon said. What was that? We must thank Poseidon. Zeus growled, without whom it would have been difficult. Difficult? Poseidon asked innocently. Impossible, Zeus said. Impossible to defeat Typhon. The gods murmured agreement and pounded their weapons in approval. 
Which leaves us, Zeus said, only the matter of thanking our young demigod heroes who defended Olympus so well, even if there are a few dents in my throne. He called Talia, Talia for forward first. Talia forward first, since she was his daughter, and promised her help in filling the hunter's ranks. Artemis smiled. You have done well, my lieutenant. You have made me proud, and all those hunters who perished in my service will never be forgotten. They will achieve Elysium, I am sure. He gla- she glared pointedly at Hades. He shrugged. Probably. Artemis glared at him some more. Okay, Hades grumbled. I'll streamline their application process. Tal- Talia beamed with pride. Thank you, my lady. She bowed to the gods, even Hades, and then limped over to stand by Artemis' side. Tyson, son of Poseidon, Zeus called. Tyson looked nervous, but he went to stand in the middle of the council, and Zeus grunted. Doesn't miss many meals, does he? Zeus muttered. Tyson, for your bravery in the war and for leading the Cyclops, you are appointed a general in the armies of Olympus. You shall henceforth lead your brethren into war whenever required by the gods, and you shall have a new... Um... What kind of axe weapon would you like? A sword? An axe? Stick! Tyson said, showing his broken club. Very well. Very well. Zeus said, we will grant you a new, uh, stick. The best stick that may be found. Hooray! Tyson cried. And all the Cyclops cheered and pounded him on the back as he rejoined them. Grover Underwood of the Satyrs, Dionysus called. Grover came forward nervously. Oh, stop chewing on your shirt, Dionysus chided. Honestly, I'm not going to blast you. For your bravery and sacrifice, blah, 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 blah. And since we have an unfortunate vacancy, the gods have seen to fit you, name, name, has, have seen fit to name you a member of the Council of Cloven Elders. Grover collapsed on the spot. Oh, wonderful. Dionysus sighed, as several naiads came over forward to help Grover. Well, when he wakes up, someone tell him that he will no longer be an outcast, and that all satyrs, naiads, and other spirits of nature will henceforth treat him as a lord of the wild, with all rights, privileges, and honors, blah, blah, blah. Now please drag him off before he wakes up and starts groveling. Food! Gover moaned as the nature spirits carried him away. I figured he would be okay. He would wake up as a lord of the wild with a bunch of beautiful naiads taking care of him. Life could be worse. Athena called. Ambus Chase, my own daughter. Ambus squeezed my arm, then walked forward and knelt at her mother's feet. Athena smiled. You, my daughter, have exceeded all expectations. You have used your wits, your strength, and your courage to defend the city and our seat of power. It has come to your attention that Olympus is, well, trashed. The Titan Lord did much damage that will have to be repaired. We could rebuild it by magic, of course, and make it just as it was. But the gods feel that the city could be improved. We will take this as an opportunity, and you, my daughter, will design these improvements. Amber looked up, stunned. My lady? Athena smiled wryly. You are an architect, are you not? You've studied the techniques of Daedalus himself. Who better to design Olympus, redesign Olympus, and make it a monument that will last for another eon? You mean, I can design whatever I want? As your heart desires, the goddess said. Make us a, this, a city for the ages. As long as you have plenty of statues of me. Apollo added. And me, Aphrodite agreed. Hey, and me, Ares said. Big statues with huge wicked swords and... All right, Athena interrupted. She gets the point. Rise, my daughter, official architect of Olympus. Annabeth rose in a trance and walked back, back toward me. Way to go, I told her, grinning. For once, she was at a loss for words. I'll have to start planning. Drafting paper and, um, pencils? Percy Jackson, Poseidon announced. My name echoed around the chamber. All talking died down. The room was silent except for the crackle of the hearth fire. Everyone's eyes were on me. All the gods, the demigods, the cyclops, the spirits. I walked into the middle of the throne room. Hestia smiled at me reassuringly. She was in the form of a girl now, and she seemed happy and content to be sitting by her fire again. Her smile gave me courage to keep walking. First, I bowed to Zeus. Then I knelt at my father's feet. Rise, my son, Poseidon said. I stood uneasily. A great hero must be rewarded, Poseidon said. 
Is there anyone here who would deny that my son is deserving? I waited for someone to pipe up. The gods never agreed on anything, and many of them still didn't like me, but not a single one protested. The council agrees, Zeus said. Percy Jackson, you'll have one gift from the gods. I hesitated. Any gift? Zeus nodded grimly. I know what you'll ask, the greatest gift of all. Yes, if you want it, it shall be yours. The gods have not bestowed this gift on a mortal hero in many centuries, but Perseus Jackson, if you wish it, you shall be made a god, immortal, undying. You shall serve as your father's lieutenant for all time. I stared at him, stunned. Um, a god? Zeus rolled his eyes, a dim-witted god apparently, but yes. With the consensus of the entire council, I can make you immortal, then I'll have to put up with you forever. Hmm, Ares mused. That means I can smash him to a pulp as often as I want, and he'll just keep coming back for more. I like this idea. I approve as well, Athena said, though she was looking at Annabeth. I glanced back. Annabeth was trying, to, was trying not to meet my eyes. Her face was pale. I flashed back to two years ago, when I thought she was going to take the pledge to Artemis and become a hunter. I'd been on the edge of a panic attack, thinking that I'd lose her. She'll look pretty much the same way I did now. I thought about the three fates, and the way I'd seen my la- life flash by. I could avoid all of that. No aging, no death, no body in the grave. I could be a teenager forever, in top condition, powerful and immortal, serving my fo- father. I could have power and eternal life. Who could refuse that? Then I looked at Annabeth again. I thought about what my friends from well, about my friends from camp, Charles Beckendorf, Michael Yu, Selena Beauregard, so many others who were now dead. I thought about Nisa Nakamura and Luke, and I knew what to do. No, I said. The council was silent. The gods frowned at each other like they must have misheard. No, Zeus said. You are you turning down our generous gift? There was a dangerous edge to his voice, like a thunderstorm about to erupt. I'm honored in everything, I said. Don't get me wrong, it's just, I've got a lot of life left to live. I'd hate to peek in my sophomore year. The gods were glaring at me, but Annabeth had her hands over her mouth. Her eyes were shining, and that kind of made up for it. I do want a gift, though, I said. Do you promise to grant my wish? Zeus thought about this. If it is within our power... It is, I said, and it's not even difficult, but I need your promise on the river Styx. What? Dionysus cried. You don't trust us? Someone once told me, I said, looking at Hades. You should always get a solemn oath. Hades shrugged. Guilty. Very well, Zeus growled. In the name of the council, we swear by the river Styx to grant your reasonable request as long as it is within our power. The other gods muttered assent. Thunder boomed, shaking the throne room. The deal was made. From now on, I want you to properly recognize the children of the gods. I said, all the children of all the gods. The Olympians shifted uncomfortably. Percy, my father said, what exactly do you mean? Kronos couldn't have risen if it hadn't been for a lot of demigods who felt abandoned by their parents. I said, they felt angry, resentful, and unloved. And they had a good reason. Zeus's royal nostrils flared. You dare accuse? No more undetermined children, I said. I want you to promise to claim your children, all your demigod children, by the time they turn 13. They won't be left out in the world on their own at the mercy of monsters. I want them claimed and brought brought to camp so they can be trained right and survive. Now wait just a moment, Apollo said, but I was on a roll. And the minor gods, I said, Nemesis, Hecate, Morpheus, Janus, Hebe, they all deserve a general amnesty and a place at Camp Half-Blood. Their children shouldn't be ignored. Calypso and the other peaceful Titan kind should be pardoned too. And Hades? Are you calling me a minor god? Hades bellowed. No, my lord, I said quickly. But your children should not be left out. They should have a cabin at camp. Nico has proven that. No unclaimed demigods will be crammed into the Hermes cabin anymore, wondering who their parents are. They'll have their own cabins for all the gods, and no more pact of the big three. That didn't work anyway. You've got to stop trying to get rid of powerful demigods. We're going to train them and accept them instead. 
all children of the gods will be welcome and treated with respect. That is my wish. Zeus snorted. Is that all? Percy, Poseidon said. You ask much. You presume much. I hold you to your oath. I said, all of you. I got a lot of steely looks. Strangely, it was Athena who spoke up. The boy is correct. We have been unwise to ignore our children. It proved a strategic weakness in this war and almost caused our destruction. Percy Jackson, I have had my doubts about you, but perhaps... She glanced at Annabeth and then spoke as if the words had a sour taste. Perhaps I was mistaken. I moved that we accept the boy's plan. Hmm. Zeus said, being told what to do by a mere child, but I suppose... All in favor, Hermes said. All the gods raised their hands. Um, thanks, I said. I turned, but before I could leave, Poseidon called, Honor guard! Immediately, the Cyclops came forward and made two lines from the thrones to the door. An aisle for me to walk through. They came to attention. All hail Perseus Jackson, Tyson said. Hero of Olympus. And my big brother. And that is the end of chapter 20. That was a great way. That was a great request. I strongly agree with what Percy requested for. And it was a bit surprising at first that he gave up being a god for his friends. But, you know, that was also a very sweet and nice move because, you know, he cared about his friends. And it was nice to see that he was loyal to them. And I do hope that there aren't any more wars like this in the future and that Kronos never resurfaces again and all the demigods are in are in unison and like in unity and are able to support each other and yeah so next week we'll read chapters 21 and 22 and possibly that may be the end of this series and we will I will explain next episode what I am planning to do because I have received a lot of requests on what I should read next and I was, I'm planning next week to tell you guys what my plan is for after the Hero of Olympus. And so until then, stay safe and stay out of boredom. Oh, and one more thing. I do apologize for my pronunciations once again. I will try and improve on that. Again, stay safe and stay out of boredom.